Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Up All Night, and Are You Afraid of the Dark podcast. My name is Cortland, and with me today is a ghost pirate, Brandon. How you doing, Brandon? Our, I'm doing lovely, Cortland. That's good to hear. It's Valentine's Day week for us. Valentine's Day was yesterday. Yeah, it's it's long gone for me. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. It's Sunday. Over it. Saturday for me. Did you get it, uh, Becca, anything super sweet for Valentine's Day? No, I did not. Not even chocolate? Nope. Oh, okay. Well, whatever. Well, that's all right. You want to know what I got Kim for Valentine's Day? Yes, what did you get her? Okay, well, I, I got her chocolates because, you know, Valentine's Day, whatever. But I got her a mm-hmm, plant, mm-hmm. okay? I got her an aloe vera plant. <laughs> and it says... Fancy. Aloe you vera much. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, I've seen that and I was like, there it is. That's what I'm getting. Fuck flowers. You're getting aloe vera. <laughs> uh, I don't I'd, even know what to do. I'd be happy vera. to get pretty much any gift if it had a decent pun on it. It was so perfect. I was like, that's the one. That's what I'm getting. So, Brandon, we watched The Tale of Carter's Treasure Part 1, and then we're like, oh, we'll watch the rest next week. It'll be a, it's a cliffhanger, but we could do it. It's been two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I've been left in suspense for two weeks. <laughs> yeah. And I've been rained out here, just like at the end oh of the first episode. Yeah. You guys got, like, flooding. You went from oh, yeah. fires to flood. Yep, the fires are out, but Floods we're are being washed away <laughs> in biblical floods. Oh, man. Yeah, so uh, roads were shut down, trains were stopped. That's crazy. Yeah, Becca sent me a picture of, like, just water all over the roads. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, after, like, the hottest January ever, we had, like, a lot of snowfall in February, so the world lucky. sucks. Everything's the worst. Yeah, I'm expecting a hurricane and a tornado at the same time, any day now. Does Australia get hit with hurricanes? I don't know. Did we talk about this already? I don't remember. Probably, and I probably said I don't know. Yeah. I don't think there's tornadoes here. I mean, you guys got enough that kills everybody there, which, I mean, it doesn't really that much, but, you know. Yeah, it's surprising to... It's surprising that even the universe was like, alright, <laughs> I'm not gonna be a dick. <laughs> you won't get tornadoes, like, come on. Nah, you guys got, like, even your octopuses want to kill you, so, yeah. Yeah, even the octopus. Have you swam in the ocean since you've been there? Yeah. Oh, that's good. I'm glad you survived. Barely, but yeah. I got, I, you know what, everybody probably wants to know, have you seen anything that's been, like, monstrous in comparison to America? Monstrous in what way? You know, the typical, like, memes like giant spiders and... Dingo's eating babies. <laughs> I mean, the spiders are big. Are they like, you know, if one's on your door, you burn your house down kind of shit? Well, I don't really care about spiders. Like, I like spiders, but... Actually, I do too. Have you seen a huntsman? Ooh, have I? I don't remember. They're not in America, right? I've, I've never seen one. Okay. They're the ones that eat uh, birds? Prob- I mean, it, I wouldn't be surprised. Okay. Yeah, and we just, we've had a couple in our house, and they're, like, (laughs) hand-sized. They're big. And you just, like, you know, turn on the light in your bathroom, and it's just there, and you're like, oh, okay. Oh, I don't like this. Okay. I guess I don't like spiders. (laughs) (laughs) You're learning. Yeah, it's kind of like house centipedes. You ever seen, well, I'm sure they have those in Australia, too, but, like, you'll turn on the light or whatever, and one will be on the wall, and then it just runs as fast as humanly like the speed of light essentially and just runs away yeah that would be creepy the thing about these spiders is they don't move they know that you're more scared of them than they are of you so they're just like what are you gonna do bitch so what do you do do you just like scoot them with a broom or something like a dog no you just you know you kind of nod you're like yo what's up Uh i see you you see me we're cool okay yeah they they keep other pests away like birds? <laughs> like killer octopus. and <laughs> I haven't been attacked by an octopus even once when those spiders are around. So Wow, it's doing its job then. Yeah. So when I see like spiders and bugs and stuff in my house, I'm a weirdo. I don't like to kill bugs and whatever. You <clears throat> weirdo! I know. Even though like I had to exterminate the bees. I mean, that was hard for me. But I feel like, you know what? They're not hurting me. 
I shouldn't have to hurt it. I, mean, I don't like the idea of being a giant that just like steps on stuff. I, that's mean. That's I don't like it. Like if I was a person and I just got stepped on, I'd be like, "What the fuck, man?" <laughs> so I take like cups and stuff, and I I scoot them into a cup, and then I put them outside. I don't I don't think that's weird at all. I don't think you could do that with that giant spider, could you? Um, you could. You definitely could. Would it be easy? Like I said, these spiders don't really move. You could, and then you put it outside, and then it would just come back inside. Oh, yeah, that's what my wife says, too. She's like, why do you do that? They're just going to come back inside. What if they don't, though? It's true. What if they don't? What if they're just like, you know, I'm sick of this shit. I'm going to a different house. Yeah, like, you'd get sick of being booted out of your house every day. Yeah. Because that spider doesn't know that it's your house. Yeah, I think That spider's like, yeah, this is my home. I made this web. You didn't. You didn't help yeah. at all, you lazy bastard. Yeah, I'm going to scoot you into a cup and throw you outside. <laughs> Could you just imagine the nerve you get thrown out of your house by a spider? Like, <laughs> god damn it. That spider's not paying any payments on this house. <laughs> oh, man. All right, Brandon. Um, you want to start talking about Cutter's Treasure Part 2? If we have to, yeah. All right. Well, Brandon and I just got done watching the tale of Cutter's Treasure... Part two. What'd you think about part two, Brendan? I liked it more than the first part. Yeah. That's not saying a whole lot, because the first part was kind of just set up for this, and it it wasn't the best episode. Nah, I agree. Here's what I think of this episode. Are you ready? Yep. The greatest adventure. (laughs) Oh no. What lies ahead? That's what I think of this episode. (sighs) All right. Well, that says everything. Yeah. We'll see you next week, folks, with the tale of the creamed corn. When that dagger lit up, I was like, this is the Hobbit. (laughs) This is that shitty Hobbit animated movie from the 70s. That's what this is. I didn't think that, but now I can't think anything else. That's, That's what it is, man. It's a Hobbit. I didn't care for this episode that much. No. Altogether, if you condensed these two parts into one mega episode... It still wouldn't be that great. Nah, it's not. And you know what? I I think as a kid, I did watch this, and I didn't like it, and I think that's why I don't really care for pirates. I think this episode ruined pirates for me. Like, this episode has the parts of what should be an all-time best. People love Vink. People love Sardo. And it has a very, well, at times, it has a very action-y kind of indiana jones vibe it's got pirates yeah you know it it has all the makings of a classic it does but it's not i agree let's dive into this and see what we think on a second look so this episode begins and we're looking at the campfire and the camera pans up to show gary and frank walking up to the throne they stop and they give a they give each other this look right and then we look over at the other members the gals betty ann kiki and sam are all huddled up next to each other and Kiki pipes up saying, let's, so let's go. Don't leave us hanging. And we look back at the guys, and Tucker runs between them and says, come on, I want to know what happens. And then he runs and takes his seat next to the girls. Frank tells Gary, I think we got him. We cut to Sam, who asks who the guy was who brought the chest to Sardo. And Betty Ann asks, yeah, and where was the cemetery? And Kiki's next asking why only Rush could open up the chest. And Gary's like, all right, let's have a recap to bring you up to speed. It seems like they remembered everything. They were the ones asking the questions, like, what happened with this? What's going on with that? For real. Like, I get why they had to do a recap. You know, you want to catch up to speed people that were too lazy to watch the first part of the episode or something. Mm -hmm. But I was thinking that this would have been like a hour-long episode when it aired, you know, and then they cut it up later so that they could put it in for repeats. But maybe they didn't. Maybe they did have part one, and then a week later you got to watch part two. Yeah, it's just to just to hook you on the show. So uh, so Frank then tells us that Rush and Max were brothers who uh, didn't really get along. All Rush wanted to do was grow up, but Max was always keeping him down. And then we get this montage of the last episode. It shows us the scene with the sprinkler. Gary tells us Rush and Max had different ideas of what, what fun was. And rather than pound Max in the dirt, Rush, was, Rush bought a Shandu's magic set from Sardo to keep him busy but there was an odd treasure chest at the magic mansion no one could open it except for rush 
And inside was that spyglass that showed rush images of the spooky cemetery. It just recaps the episode. Yeah, if you want to know what happens, listen to the last episode. Exactly. So after the brief recap shows us all the important parts of the episode, we cut back to the campfire and Frank says, Rush didn't know what to do. Max was gone and he couldn't get a hold of his parents. And Sam shoots out, that's where we left off. And Tucker says, kick in. (laughs) Does he say kick in? I thought he said kick it. Oh, maybe he does. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Kick it. (laughs) I mean, that could be what it was. So Frank grabs a monkey bone dust. Gary says, submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. We call this story... The Tale of Cutter's Treasure, Part 2. Which is odd, because when they were telling the story the first time, I think they intended to just finish it. Yeah, I think you're right. So it's not Part 2. It's just finishing the story. Yeah, it's just the Tale of Cutter's Treasure, some more. Yeah, they're not like, and this is the next episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Cutter's Treasure. Because when they do it the first time, they just say it in unison. This time, they don't say it in unison. The episode begins, immediately rushes at the door of the Magic Mansion. He's calling for for Mr. Sardo. He's got the spyglass in his hands. He's yelling and he's banging on the door. And Sardo turns the lights on, yelling, It's Sardo! Sardo! Yeah, we fucking get it, dude. Yeah, but he's got this, like, weird nighty robe on. I don't know what... Does he live it's, in his magic mansion? It's what I imagine that he wears in his shop at night. It reminds me of an um a rich lady that would... Somebody's banging on the door and they open it up and their husband has mysteriously died, you know? And they're like, oh, you know, I, oh, I inherited all the money. It's, it reminds me of that. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> he tells the kid to go away that they're closed. But then he realizes that Rush is there and he's like, you... And he flips the sign from closed to open for some reason. You don't have to do that. And and he opens up the door to let Rush inside. And Sardo gets excited saying he knew Rush would be back. But Rush cuts him off and he's like, look, buddy, I don't know what this thing is, but it's making ghosts show up at my house. And he's got that spyglass in his hand and he's pushing it towards Sardo. It's backing off. And Sardo's like, ghosts? Oh, God. Ghosts? Uh, yes, well, they're probably just illusions. And Rush doesn't buy that. He says... Yeah, those illusions just snatched my little brother. So either you tell me what's going on, or I'm, I'm coming back with the cops. So Sardo tells the kid that he doesn't think that the police would believe him any more than I do. Which stops Rush. He lowers the spyglass, and he's like, nah, they don't. I already tried. And he yells out, look, Mr. Star." But then we cut over to Sardo, who throws, like, a finger at this kid's face. And Rush is like, I mean, Sardo. And Sardo gives, like, a smile. He says, all I want is my brother back. So Sardo tells him that he's afraid he doesn't know much more than he does, but there's someone who does. And Sardo lifts up a business card to the wild boar Coiffure. I think that's how you say it, right? He knows how to say it. Yeah. Which I was surprised. I've never, like, really read that word before, and I don't even know what it is. I mean, obviously it's barbershop or something, but... Yeah. No kid knows what that word is. Nope. Rush takes it, and he says, a barbershop? And Sardo tells him it's run by the same man who gave him the chest. He's like, I suggest you go talk to him. So Rush leaves, and Sardo gets excited. So Wild Boar has become something that's associated with Vink. Yeah. It was the name of the restaurant. Mm-hmm. And were there boar's brains in his cottage in yeah. Phantom Cab? He shows the kids the brain of a wild boar, which was mm-hmm. that flat pancake thing. Yeah, okay. Was there anything boar-related in Midnight Madness? I don't think so. It's just an odd thing to be a calling card of his. Yeah, I agree. It's just, it seems like it's just kind of pushed in your face. Like, everything has to be wild boar, which was great the first time. But, like, with this being Vink's second appearance in, like, what, two, three episodes? Because we just had it in Dangerous Soup. And, like, I know not everybody is watching them one after the other like we are every week. But it just seems like a lot of wild boar that we don't need. It's a lot of Vink. It is a lot of Vink. Well, we cut over to some homeless lady that's getting warmth from a flaming trash can. (laughs) I guess it's trying to tell us that they're in, like, the bad part of town or something, but that just seems out of place. I don't know. We pan over to Rush. He's walking down some alleyway, and then he walks into a building, and we see typical Vink shit, uh, like, different colored liquids in glasses and shit like that. And Rush walks down some steps. He looks down and around the room, and we see... We see some sort of Vink-looking guy sitting in a chair, right, in the middle of the In room. what looks like a dungeon. Yeah. 
It does look like a dungeon, yes. It doesn't look like any coiffure that I've ever been to. Is that just French? Is that French? For I would assume so. I would assume it's something I mean, French, and that explains why all Canadians would know of it. So Rush is like, excuse me, I'm looking for the guy who, and Vink says, found you. And he swivels in his chair and reveals himself as Vink. And he gives his classic little Vink line. Vink's the name. Dr. Vink. And Rush is like, Dr. Vink? It Vink's like, Precisely. Yeah, he didn't even say it wrong, so he didn't need to correct with a va, va, va. No, that doesn't happen at all in either episode. I kind of like that. So he slams his book, and then he gets up, and he walks over to Rush, and he's like, I've been waiting for you. What do you think of my latest endeavor? Of course, patrons are less interested in coiffure. That's how you say it. I don't know. Then they are in my unique hair tonics. And he sits Rush down in his chair, and he grabs some, some crap, and he says, uh, they have such interesting properties. And he gives that shit a sniff. And he excitedly asks if he can massage a few drops into Rush's scalp. And Rush says no. So Vink puts that away, saying, of course not. We have work to do. He walks away from Rush, who tells him that his little brother is in trouble. Um, but Vink interrupts, saying that he knows all about his little brother. And he can help find him, as long as he understands one thing. Rush asks what it is, and Vink says that he is not a nutbag. There we go. There that it must is. must be from episode one that he called him a nutbag, but... I don't remember it. It's so forced. Yeah. The nutbag thing. I don't Frank tries to make these things a thing. The nutbag and the wild boar. Yeah. And the all blah, these blah, little, blah. the reoccurring things. But he just seems like he's trying too hard. I just, like, I don't mind that, but I don't like it because I don't remember him calling Vink a nutbag because when would he do it? This is the first time that they're in the same room together. Unless there was like, oh, Sardo mentioned that there was another person and Rush was like, oh, he sounds like a nutbag or something. Maybe he's just like, all right, what I'm about to tell you is crazy. So before I help you, just know that I'm not a nutbag. Well, I would say that, but then Rush starts saying, how did you like, oh, how did you know I called you a nutbag last week? I don't know. Maybe he was thinking it and he's like, how did you know I was thinking that you're a nutbag? Oh, that could be it. Well, Fink starts talking about Jonas Cutter, and um, he's like, Captain Jonas Cutter, as they called himself, he's a murderous galley slave. And he grabs a book, he looks into it, and Fink says that Cutter led the bloodiest mutiny in maritime history. They say he took his name Cutter because of his love for the blade and what it could do to flesh. And then Fink grabs a razor blade and he cuts a piece of paper in half with it, almost, but not all the way. It's hard to cut paper. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Vin continues the story saying that history says he concealed an immense treasure in a secret vault to this day has never been found. And Rush asks why Vink is telling him about this shit. And Vink's like, because I do believe I've tracked the beggar down. And he shows a picture of Carter to Rush. And Rush is like, that's the guy. We gotta tell the cops. Rush rushes out of the room, but <laughs> is stopped by Vink saying that the police can't help him. And Rush asks why. And Vink tells him that Cutter's been dead for over 200 years. So Rush looks down, he sighs, he sits back down in his chair, and he says, I don't believe this. And Vink goes on explaining more story, saying that the chest belonged to the one man who tried to defeat Cutter, but instead was met with a grisly death. Only one man tried to defeat Cutter? Yeah, except there was this bloody mutiny of sorts, so I would say more than one man tried to stop him. Yeah, lots of people tried to kill Cutter, and they all died. Where are their magical chests? <laughs> also um he was a slave so he was stopped for a while i get uh, right i mean yeah. i guess he wasn't always on a mutant name became slit i don't know it doesn't matter he was stopped by no one apparently <laughs> <laughs> which means like i don't know when did he die why did he stay in the cemetery the whole time what's going on he won well rush yells out that that's from the magic mansion and Vink tells him that he left it there himself, hoping to find the champion. Because, you know, we see this chest. Um, he says, before he died, the brave soul vowed one day a champion would come to avenge the death of all of Cutter's victims. These tools were empowered by the souls of those victims. And now Vink's got the dagger in his hands. And he says, legend says, whoever opens the chest to retrieve them will be the one to do battle. Which was Rush. Because Rush runners out of like a little, no, we don't want to do it. And Vink's like, you opened the chest, didn't you? And Rush is like, yeah. 
and Vink asks him what his full name is. And did you see this one coming? No. Well, Rush says that his name is Russell Ian Keegan. The Ian Keegan part, whatever, but I didn't expect his name to be Russell. I've never heard of anybody shortening Russell to Rush. Yeah, Russell, I could understand. (laughs) Russell's not a name. (laughs) (laughs) Rush isn't a name, but Russell is. Yeah, I've never heard. I had there's somebody in my stepfather's family whose name is Russell, and nobody ever would call him Rush. That doesn't happen. Good. <laughs> but what's the Ian Keegan part? Why is his middle name Ian? Like, he doesn't even know. Ask about his mom. Ian but this is like his. This is two hundred years ago. Why would that name be passed down for two hundred years when he died in a mausoleum that nobody remembers like i'm assuming that the kid that came in at the beginning of the last episode was his son grabbing the dagger but even then it's like wouldn't the story of great 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 grandpa ian keegan be passed down through the family i don't know probably not apparently maybe that's a a dope story though that your great 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 grandfather died from a sweet pirate man who is a ghost and there's a dagger and he wasn't a ghost then no maybe not but i think he was didn't they wasn't the skeleton that turned around in the swivel chair wasn't that his ghost like his dead body and then cutters the ghost even back then i didn't think so i thought he was just like that's just a skeleton dum dum that could be it. Because he keeps skeletons around. There are lots of skeletons in his lair. There are. Well, it's in a mausoleum, you know? You got dead bodies everywhere. He loves skeletons. And he loves propping them up. And he loves making them... Chit-chat. Dance and talk. <laughs> They're a lively bunch. Alright, well, moving on. So, Vink has the chest in his hands. And he flips it upside down to see the bottom. And we see Ian Keegan engraved on the bottom... And Vink says that this chest belonged to your ancestor, and you are the one, lad. Uh, You have to finish what he started 200 years ago. And Rush tells Vink to forget it, that he's just a kid. This is taking a lot of time, by the way. This is like seven minutes in right now, and he still hasn't actually done anything. No. So Vink stops, he lowers the chest, and he says, perhaps you're right. I suppose it's easier to hide behind the the veil of youth than face the responsibilities for a brother you despise. Which is weird that he would say that. How does he know so much information about this family? Uh, because he's a weirdo? Yeah, he is a weirdo. Rush gets up and he yells, I don't despise Max, I want him back. And we get a close-up shot of Vink's face, who tells Rush, Then accept your destiny. And he looks over at the chest, opens it up, and Rush walks over to it very slowly. He reaches his hand in as some inspirational music plays, and he finally picks up the dagger. It took forever. We switch scenes and we're we're looking at the cemetery through the spyglass and then we see Rush looking through the spyglass. Vink pops up behind him saying, A cemetery? Perfect! And Rush asks what they do. Vink tells him that the spyglass brought you here. So, he looked through the spyglass and then ended up in the cemetery because they didn't want to film him getting on a boat, I guess. I don't know. Vink tells him that he's going to need these to continue, and he hands Rush the other crap from the chest. Um, it's got the dagger and then the key to the mausoleum. Rush asks what he'll do with them, and Vink tells him that he'll know when the time comes. And then Rush asks Vink why he's doing all this, and Vink tells him if all goes well, a few pieces of treasure will help fund his unique endeavors. So Vink is just, he's just greedy. He wants money for his movies and his restaurant and his mm-hmm riddles yeah his cabin in the woods or whatever yeah got, very expensive keep up that electricity so rush then asks what if it doesn't go well and vink looks at him and says it must it's your destiny and then the scene switches and rush walks from behind a big grave saying i've done this before it's like in my dream which means and then he looks behind him and he gets scared by the ghost of ian keegan so rush asks who he is and ian floats over to him saying you know who I am. And it looks like he's just being pushed on a dolly, and I love it. Not a big fan of this ghost. It's ridiculous. You know what? I gotta say, though, I just, 
before we recorded, I, I skipped through the episode again to get a refresher on it. And um, I do like the makeup of him looking like his throat was slit. Yeah, that part was okay. The face makeup, I don't like. No, everything else besides the throat slit thing, I don't like it. His face is like a splotchy, white, greenish, you know, dead sort of look. But everything other than his face is just normal. So it's like they did the makeup on his face and then stopped. Yeah. (laughs) Like from the neck down, his hands, like everything's just normal. But his face looks like a Halloween mask. (laughs) Well, thankfully he's not in the episode too much. And he doesn't really play that important of a role. Well, good, because all he did was all he did was suck and die. Yeah. Well, he, he was like dagger too. I'm gonna kill you, around. and then he didn't. <laughs> it's true. It's true. All he does is he comes in and he says, "What he wants is not what he desires." And then he disappears. He's like, "Fuck." You. Which is like, just tell him what that means. Yeah, that's what I thought. Why are too. ghosts always just just tell him? What's going to happen yeah. if you tell him? Is someone going to get you in trouble? Like, hey, that's not in the rules. You have to be vague and cryptic. It, he does not need to be. Are there ghost police? I don't know if I want to. You want to get into spoilers for a second? I mean, sure. It's not, like, it, it doesn't matter. No, none of this matters. <laughs> true, true. People that listen to us have most likely already watched the episode. But he can just be like, don't stab him with the dagger. Just break it in your break it in half and everybody yeah. will be cool not what he wants is not what he desires that doesn't even yeah. make sense because no what even... he wants is to get killed by the dagger and that's also what he desires so he can be free <laughs> yes wants and desires in this context are the same thing yeah it's stupid the only reason that he's here is that he points at the mausoleum to show rush where it is and then he tells him again not to be fooled because what he wants is not what he desires yeah we get it dude but my I favorite my favorite part about all this though is the um effect of him disappearing. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, it's not bad actually. <laughs> well, after he disappears, Rush tells him not to go, but he's a ghost, so he does whatever the fuck he wants. And so Rush slowly walks up to the mausoleum. He puts the key in, he opens the door, he walks inside, and there's just a bunch of roots or something on the inside that he has to push aside. We hear the disembodied voice of Ian Keegan saying, Grandson, look everywhere. So Rush looks down at a casket. He opens it up and he sees a skeleton. And Rush says, Yuck. And then the skeleton's head whips over to look at him and says, Welcome aboard, Skipper! And then it laughs a whole bunch. A whole bunch. And then Rush steps back. He falls into a trap. And the floor falls away. And he falls into a pit. That pit, though... Like, he falls into a netting, which catches his fall, and then he falls to the floor. This pit has, like, this convenient ladder up the trap door. I don't get it. Didn't need to happen. No, didn't need to. Rush says, swell. And then we hear a voice that says, not leaving so soon, are ya? You just came aboard. Disembodied voices are a big thing in this episode. Yep. Carter just wants to fuck with this kid for some reason. Rush looks around the room and he says, I know who you are. And the voice says, do you now? And let's see if you could find me. So Rush looks around some more and then he sees some light down a tunnel. So he goes down that tunnel, but a metal gate falls down and it blocks his path. And we hear the voice say, pity, your first choice was a poor one. Not a good start. Like, yeah, I guess, but you didn't do anything to him. Did he close the door? Yeah, but that wasn't even the right way to go anyway. So who cares? Rush looks behind him. He sees another light from another tunnel, so he walks down that one a bit. The voice tells him to be careful, and Rush looks over to see another skeleton on the wall. And the voice says, ah, got the point? And then it laughs. Super cute. Rush calls out, look, I'm no hero. I don't want to hurt you or anything. And then Cutter says um, something in response, but I don't even know what it was. He's He says something like, do I sound like I'm scared? Or oh. something, because he's like, look, man, I don't want to hurt you. And Cutter's like, I don't fucking think you are going to hurt me. <laughs> I don't know why I couldn't hear it, but I'll agree. With Probably a skeleton it. laughing. That could be that, or some other disembodied voice or something. Yeah, probably Ian, like, not what he desires. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Hey there, everybody. Cortland here, your good buddy and your shabby barber. Thank you so much for listening to our show this week, and welcome back for part two of Cutter's Treasure. If you just can't get enough of the show, consider heading over to patreon.com slash private island and becoming a patron. For as little as $3 a month, you'll get instant access to early release episodes, bloopers from our episodes, and even get sent an up all night sticker. We have more tiers available with additional rewards for each. I'd like to take a moment to thank our current patrons, the Golden Bostics, Bryce and Kathy, and the Bronze Beth, Angela. Thank you so much, everyone. We greatly appreciate your support. Looking for more Up All Night? You've got to check out our Instagram at Private Island Presents and our Twitter at PRVT Island. Each week, we make hilarious GIF and videos of the episodes we're covering, oftentimes mashed up with other favorites, like Are You Afraid of the Dark Meets the Labyrinth, or Resident Evil, or even The Golden Girls. This week, spoilers, the mashup is with Spongebob. So check us out, give us a follow, and enjoy our months and months of content. Be sure to check out our Are You Afraid of the Dark meme Fridays, too. Another simple and easy way to show your support is by giving us a 5-star review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. Brandon and I absolutely love reading the nice reviews, and it really makes us feel great about the work we put into the show. Last week, we were in the top 100 podcasts for TV reviews, and we would love to break the top 50 soon. Another great way to help us out is if you could tell a friend about our show. Word of mouth is the best for podcast growth, and of course, everyone wins with Are You Afraid of the Dark? So check out our episode description for links and our Linktree link for easy access to all of our socials, our merch store, Facebook group, and so much more. If you ever have any questions for us or want to share a story, our email is always open. That's privateislandpresents at gmail.com. We're always taking questions and hoarding them for our end-of-the-season wrap-up episodes. Are you interested in the editing process for the show? I've been live-streaming my editing while I can on Twitch, so if you want to come hang out with me while I'm editing, or maybe playing a game here or there, come give me a follow on Twitch at PrivateIslandC. I'd like to give a shout-out to the Benevolent Badger for his work on the music for our show. Aside from this theme, Date Start from Undertale, composed by Toby Fox. I'd also like to thank Brandon for his work on the artwork. So thank you again for listening, everybody, and I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye for now. (laughs) Well, Rush keeps walking ahead very slowly. We look at his feet, and he trips a trap. So Rush quickly does like a somersault ahead of himself as some spikes come flying out of the wall. And he looks back and we see like a skeletal head on one of the spikes, which is kind of cool. Yeah, that's cool. That's like the coolest thing in both of these episodes Really is, is that yeah. trap. And you're like, whoa, this is action packed. Yeah, that. And that's over. <laughs> Carter calls out saying, this is getting interesting, which is what we just said. We're, <laughs> we're on point with Cutter. Cutter. Cutter is kind of commentating this episode a bit. There's another part later where I thought, that's the actor just talking. <laughs> they kept it in. <laughs> well, at this point, he says, let's see what other fires we could start. And we look down this hallway, and there's a pirate dude with a cannon, and he's about to light it. And Rush ducks down behind some rocks. He avoids the cannonball. And then from the smoke walks Max. So Rush runs up to him and he's like, oh, are you okay? Max nods. I've seen it. I know what's going to happen. Yeah, it's super obvious. Rush tries to pull him along, but he looks back and now Max is that old pirate man, uh, Mr. Noise. So Rush falls to the ground and the pirate pulls out his sword and he says, sorry, just doing my job. Which is very polite. It is, right? He's such a nice guy. Except for when he stole that kid. That's kind of a pedophile move, but... Eh. Rush grabs his dagger. Nobody's perfect. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess. Rush grabs the dagger, which lights up like Sting from that terrible the Hobbit movie. adventure is worth I was going to listen to that, you know, in preparation for the podcast, because I knew I was going to say that. But I didn't. I couldn't do it. I don't like that song so much that I didn't look it up. (laughs) Good. I'm glad. Because it'd be stuck in your head, and then it would be stuck in my head. Well, there's only, like, I only know the two verses of it. Like, everything else is nothing to me, so it wouldn't be stuck in my head that much. Well, you know what? I had forgotten about it for, like, 15 years until you just sang it at the top of this episode. So, thanks. You're welcome. If you guys don't know what we're talking about, it's 
like I said, the Hobbit animated movie from the seventies. It's super shitty, but also South Park did like um uh, an episode about it with Lemmy Winks that is pretty popular, where they sing that song kind of. Anyway, that dagger lights up like Sting, and then a ball of light flies out from the dagger. It slaps this pirate in the face, and he poofs away. It's stupid. Yeah, just stab people with it. That's what a dagger's yeah, for. Yeah, it's because it's a kid's show, and they don't want you to stab people, so they're just like, okay, it shoots out a ball of light that obliterates you. I know, but it's just not fun. I know, I hate it. That's not how you use a knife. It could be anything. It doesn't have to be a knife. It could be a shoe. Yeah. And shoot out a ball. Exactly. Of- it could have been the spyglass that shot out a ball of light. Like, it could have been yeah. I don't not fun no basically we're saying we want to see people get stabbed yeah i want to see i want to see death um <laughs> rush looks at that dagger and then he just stands up and he continues down the tunnel he doesn't really care that he just killed a man he well, comes to a dead. door which he opens up and we look into that room from the beginning of the last episode where there's just a bunch of treasure everywhere and also there's uh, an axe and a giant bird cage. there's not really that much treasure though for a career pirate, it's a pretty shabby treasure room. I mean, he's got more treasure than I do, but it's not as much treasure that was in the Cable Wonders of Aladdin. Yeah, it's no fucking Aladdin treasure. It's <laughs> it's like a guy who has one chest, and there's yeah. like a few bags of coins in it. Maybe there's a crown, probably a couple gems. It's less than what a dragon would hoard. It's yeah. not even enough that I would say you need to guard it. True. He does have a giant birdcage, though, for some reason. That just happens to have a kid in it now. Yeah. So something that I thought was weird is that Max is just, like, out of his trance now. He yells for Rush to come and let him out. And Rush runs up to the cage and asks if it's really him. And Max is like, yeah, get me out of here. I didn't think you'd come. And Rush starts trying to untie the knot. That's, um, you know, keeping him in this cage. And he asks what he's talking about. And Max is like, you said you hated me. And sappy music starts playing, and Rush stops trying to get his brother out of that giant-ass cage for some reason. it's not the time. He looks at Max, and he's like, I said a lot of stupid things I didn't mean. I'm sorry. Can I be on your team again? And Max smiles, and then we hear Cutter laughing. Understandably. So Rush turns, and we see him sitting there, and he's whittling a log or something? Yeah, he's got time. He does, yes. So Cutter's like, oh, that's touching, so touching, I'm moved. I could almost die, but then again, I'm already dead. And then he waves his hand, and we see, we look down at the skeleton, and Rush is like, look, I don't want any trouble. But Cutter stands up, and he says, but you went through all that trouble tracking me down. You went through all the trouble ruining my gauntlet and dispatching Mr. Noise. You went through all the trouble of breaking it to be treasure room. I mean, he... Took his brother, so... Exactly! He didn't mention that part. But he's like, in conclusion, you were looking for Trouble Skipper, and you found it. He, You kind of started it, Cutter. He took his brother. With that whole, with that whole kidnapping thing, mm-hmm. R- Rush was completely content to just make out with his girlfriend yeah. and look at his whale posters, and then you took his brother, and he had to go on this adventure reluctantly, so... Yeah, he just wanted to stay home, smooch his babe, listen to the festering sores, and watch his whale and shark posters. <laughs> Super That's the life. And you ruined it. Instead, he's in this treasure room, in air quotes, and Rush he starts walking circles with Cutter. He's like, look, I didn't want any part in this. You're the one who... Cutter interrupts him saying, I stood guard here for two centuries waiting for you to come, waiting for the grand battle. And Rush is telling him he doesn't want to fight, but Cutter's like, then you've come to the wrong place. And he laughs, he walks up, and he grabs a sword, saying, the fight will be a fair one. I think swords will do just fine. And the camera cuts over to the door, and we see Vink entering for some reason. (laughs) Yeah, why? I don't know. Rush says he doesn't have a sword, and we look at Cutter, who smiles, and says, pity, then you really are in trouble. And he jumps down, and he starts slashing at Rush, even though he just said it was going to be a fair fight. Yeah, pirates are liars. Hmm. That's true. Rush dodges the sword, though, and he grabs a chair, and he uses it to parry the sword, and and then he throws that shit at Cutter, who says he's looking forward to this because he hasn't skewered anyone in nearly 200 years. Yeah, Cutter's not a very good swordsman. 
No. Which is surprising because he loves the blade. <laughs> well, he was a slave, you know. Maybe he just got lucky and was just slashing randomly and he killed all those people. Maybe. Rush runs and he hides behind a chest as Cutter grabs a cup and he takes a drink. And so- I'm enjoying this! And this is what I was talking about earlier because in my notes, like five seconds before that, I wrote that the actor is really enjoying this role because he is putting his everything into this. He yeah, is true. He is running around. He is yelling like he's slashing. I was like, man, he's loving this. And then he was like, I'm enjoying this. <laughs> and I was like, oh, th- they were just recording him talking. Yeah, I think. You're and right. they put it in there. <laughs> Charles S. Dutton is having a blast with this role. He's yeah. Loving every second of it. And yeah, I think you're right. They just ad libbed it and was like, just do your thing, man. We'll just record and see what happens. See what we get. It's good. It's a good performance. I agree. But that's just like every episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark that has like a more than fresh off the street actor in there. They always steal the show. So it's true. Rush is hiding behind that chest. And then from behind Rush pops Vink up on a ledge and he says, you're forgetting, lad, the dagger. Use the dagger. And then Vink crawls away. I, I find it funny. The idea that Vink could just sneak around <laughs> on his hands and knees and nobody would not notice him. He's he is a giant, man. shabby looking man. You'd just be like, what is that disgusting beast doing in here? <laughs> Rest in peace. But yeah, you would you would definitely notice Vink. Like I said back in the very first episode, when I originally read Harry Potter, when I envisioned Hagrid, it was Vink. So he is a, he's a big man. Yeah. He's a, he's a big boy. <laughs> and he's just crawling around being a super sneaky ninja. <laughs> like, psst, rush. Hey. Rush, over here. <laughs> Remember that dagger? It's also weird to me that Vink is so invested in this. Is he related yeah. to Rush? What is this? He wants a f- like the two coins that Cutter has. <laughs> it just seems very unlikely. Unless he's like secretly, you know, Vink Keegan, Dr. <laughs> Vink Keegan. I don't know. It seems very forced that he is in this episode. It could have been um, anybody else, really. Yeah. And I would have bought it. I think definitely the Vink connection is very thin. Yeah. They just wanted to have Sardo and Vink in the same story. Yeah, it could have been utilized a little better. Yeah, they don't really interact much at all. Mm-mm. Rush takes out that tiny-ass dagger, and he walks out from behind the chest. Vink pops back up to watch, and we cut to Max, who's trying to untie his knot. And then back with Rush, his hands get stepped on by Cutter's boot, and he's above Rush on a platform, for some reason. He knocks the dagger away, Rushes on the ground, and Cutter asks if that's it, and if this is the grand battle he's been waiting for. And he tells Rush to get up and fight him, but Rush is like, I can't, I don't know what to do. So Cutter's like, well then, there's nothing left for me to do but uh, put you out of your misery. He raises up his sword to give Rush the old razzle-dazzle. <laughs> From behind Cutter, Max says, I don't think so. And he's out of his cage, he's got the dagger in his hand, and I'm just like, so... He could have gotten out of the cage by himself the whole time, because Max barely worked on that knot. He could have. He just wanted his brother to say, I'm sorry. (laughs) That's stupid. Well, he tells Cutter to leave him alone. Rush stands up, and he runs next to Max. And Cutter's like, two boys, two dead little boys. Who wants to go first? And Rush looks down. He smiles, and he says, you do. And he lifts the dagger up, and it glows, and a fart cloud flies out of the dagger. It hits Cutter, which pushes him into a chair, and then a bunch of vines just wrap around this guy. This whole, the the whole thing's dumb. Rush came into this encounter like, oh, I don't have a weapon, what am I gonna do? Motherfucker, you just disintegrated a guy with that dagger. Yes! With the ball of light. Yeah. I would be like, I would look at that dagger and be like, holy shit, I could kill anybody. And yeah. you, you just walk into that room and be like, and Cutter would be like, ah, you're here. And you just be like, nope, fuck this. And you hold up the dagger and he's dead. 
Yeah. You don't even give him a chance to be like, oh, blah. no, you just hold that dagger up and he's dead. You just keep vaporizing him. Yes. And then Vink comes up and he's like, you did it, my boy. <laughs> you blast him too. <laughs> You're like, no, I get to keep all three coins. <laughs> and Sardo's like, ah, and you blast him. <laughs> you take over the magic mansion. And Max is like, you saved me and you blast him. <laughs> but yeah, he wa- he walks in there like, what do I do? How do I fight back? Like, oh my god, you have the ultimate weapon. <laughs> okay. He can't blast real people though, Brandon. It, always- it only kills Mr. Noise. <laughs> it used up all of its juice on Noise. Alright, that's the worst weapon then. <laughs> Such a very specific limited power. I totally agree. He should have been blasting these motherfuckers. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. So, <sighs> the vines cover Cutter. They wrap around him. And Max asks, how'd you do that? And then Vink pops up from behind them and says, good show, lad. There's only one thing left to do. And Max asks Vink who he is, but Vink ignores him. And... He's like, you gotta run Cutter through with that dagger to fulfill your destiny. So Cutter, he's stuck in the chair, and he tells Rush to do it, and that, you know, he can't hurt him. He's laughing a whole bunch. He says he's already dead. And Vink urges Rush to murder this man. And Cutter makes fun of Rush, saying that he's just a scared little boy. He's talking about how he's scared of the dagger, and it'll be coming after him. Um, But before that, he'll get his little brother. That pisses Rush off, so he... He yells, no! And he raises up the dagger to murder this fucker. But then he stops. And Vink's like, what's the problem? And Rush says, what he wants is not what he desires. <laughs> so, Cutter says, Ian Keegan was a fool. And to finish the deed. But Rush says, no, this isn't right. And Cutter's like, you're afraid, aren't you? And Rush says, yeah, I am. And I think you are, too. You've been guarding the shit treasure, but there's no one to guard it from. That's why you took Max. To make sure I would come. And Cutter's sitting there. He's like shaking his head. He's like no. Don't do it. And Rush is like. You want one last battle. Cutter tells him to use the dagger. But Rush says that. This treasure's no good to you anymore is it? You have to guard it forever. And Vink walks up to him saying. I believe you're right lad. Use the dagger. And Cutter's wretched soul may be released from this prison. And Cutter's like. No it's not true. Rush asks Vink what to do. And Vink says. Justice for Cutter's victims is in your hands. Use it wisely. So Cutter tells him to use the dagger. So Rush uses his knee and snaps the dagger in half, which is crazy. It it can't be easy to snap a dagger on your knee. Exactly. Because this thing isn't rusty or anything like that at all. It's a fully formed, strong dagger. It just vaporized the motherfucker. Yes. It falls to the ground and Cutter curses him. And then this cave that they're in starts to shake and rumble. And Rush tells us it's starting to cave in. They look over, Vink is gone, and then the kids run out of the room, and Cutter is stuck in his chair, yelling that they're cowards. The kids run through the tunnel, Cutter shakes some more in his chair, begging for them not to leave him alone, and then they make their way to the ladder. Max, he climbs up the ladder first, he reaches the, reaches the top, and then Rush starts to climb up. Which is kind of weird, why wouldn't they just climb together? They're two boys, it's not like they weigh that much. Safety first. I guess. (laughs) A rope snaps that was holding the ladder up, and the ladder falls, but Rush grabs onto another rope, and he climbs up, and he reaches out for Max's hand, who lifts his brother up. It's super exciting, I guess. Like, you can look down at the bottom, and there's just a bunch of rocks and shit falling. It looks like it's collapsing, whatever. The kids run out of the mausoleum. The door slams shut behind them, and Max is like, cool. Which isn't really the right thing to say, but he's a dum-dum. From behind the kids pops Ian Keegan. He says, Grandson, I'm proud of you. And Rush asks if he did the right thing. And Ian just nods. And he says that the dagger was meant to punish Cutter for his evil ways. And that's what was done. Ah, you did the right thing. Farewell, grandsons. Thank you. And then he disappears. Could have just told me what to do. Yes, for real. God, what a terrible great-grandfather. You shit-ass ghost. Get your... Whack makeup and get out of here. Get the fuck out of here. Just disappear already. Go back to hell, Grandpa. The kids, they look down. They pick up the spyglass. Rush looks into it, and then it shows them their own house. 
which somehow transport them back home, and that's daylight now, because it was nighttime before. It's a teleporter. I guess so. And a time machine. <laughs> Max says, no one's ever going to believe this, but out pops Vink again, who claps, saying, good show, lads. And Rush asks what happened to him, and Vink says, I thought it best to leave you to your own devices. After all, this is your adventure. Rush apologizes that he didn't get the treasure he wanted, but Vink's like, no matter, treasure doesn't last. It's the adventure, the excitement, the game that lasts with you a lifetime, which is opposite of what you said, but <laughs> he says, remember that though a little treasure never hurt, and he hands the kids a ruby and a sapphire each, and Max is like, wow. Well, that was very nice of Vink to give them all of Cutter's treasure. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Rush says, guess you didn't come away empty-handed. And then we hear Sardo, who pops up behind the kids. How did he know where they lived? I don't know. He was just like, it's my turn to be in the episode. <laughs> he's like, no, but I did. We had a deal. I delivered. Now I, ex I expect you to. I don't know if I said that right. My notes were fucked up, but it's the, almost the end of the episode. Basically, Sardo wants his $5,000. Did you notice that Max starts pulling on Sardo's clothes, though? No, why? Because he's in such a ridiculous outfit. It's like, who's this motherfucker? I'm going to pull on his clothes. Vink tells Sardo that he intends to double the fee. And Sardo pushes the two kids aside and he says, double? Oh, well, that's different. And they start talking with Vink and we hear a car horn. So that's the universal signal that parents are home. So the two kids run away to see their parents, but Rush stops. He turns back to Sardo and he vink, and he says, I don't know who you guys are, but I don't think I'll ever forget you. And then he runs away, and Vink smiles, and Sardo's like, listen, what other little adventures do you think we might be able to cook up together? And that is the start of a beautiful relationship. That we'll never see any more of ever again. Probably not, no. Max bum rushes his mom for a hug, and mom's like, what the fuck is this affection? And Rush comes up saying, mom. He's never going to believe this. But she stops him to talk about their weekend, saying, no, you're never going to believe this. We had the most amazing weekend. Whoa, I don't believe it. <laughs> I don't either <laughs> at all. And dad comes up in a, in a shirt about three sizes too big, saying, it's the most unbelievable thing you've ever heard. And the two parents walk inside as Max and Rush stay outside. And Max asks if they're going to tell him what happened. Well, Rush, he's got the spyglass in his hand, and he closes it saying, I don't think so. And the kids walk into their house. And that's the end Why of the would episode. you tell them? Why would you even consider telling them? I don't know. <laughs> I, can't, I can't. I don't know. Hey, Mom, remember when you made my middle name Ian? Well, you cursed me. I don't know why he considers telling his parents. Hey, hey, we went on a super horribly dangerous adventure where we both almost died. And also, we paid Miss Gregory for doing nothing. And also, also, I almost had sex. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, um, I lost my little brother, and he almost died, and I almost died. But, uh, yeah, how was your bike race? What could be so unbelievable about this stupid cycling adventure their parents went on? Like, give me a break. Oh, it was so good. It was unbelievably good. Stupid, 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 stupid. Well, back at the campfire, Gary says, Rush and Max never told anyone about their adventure because they were afraid someone might look for Cutter's treasure. Someone might think it was boring. <laughs> well, you know what? Where was that? E was that cemetery even real? Like, I don't know. The only way you can get to it is through a magic spyglass. So who cares if they tell somebody about it? Well, they'll just sound stupid. Yeah, I guess so. Frank pipes up. And says, because if they found it, they'd also find the ghost of the pirate captain lying in wait for one last battle. And then they say the end together. We cut to Tucker, who says, awesome story. Kiki says, excellent. And the two guys give each other a high five as Sam says, that was a really awesome story. And then Gary declares the meeting of the Midnight Society closed. Frank dumps the water on the fire. The end. We're done. Yeah. They just quickly get out of there. Yeah. Overall, I didn't think this needed to be two episodes, and no. I don't think it was that great of a story, unfortunately. No. And the idea of having Sardo and Vink together is interesting, mm -hmm. but like we said, they're not really in it together. 
No, not really. Part one is a Sardo episode, and part two is a Vink episode. Yes. Where they cross paths, like, for one scene in both of them. Yeah. I feel like I would have rather any other episode besides, like, Hungry Hounds be a two-parter. Like, give me a two-part dark music, or give me a two-part, I don't know, Watcher's Woods or something. Like, that'd be amazing. I don't think this was amazing. No. It wasn't bad. No. No, not at all. But it wasn't what it could have been. Like I said, the the parts with Cutter were entertaining. Yeah. I don't know why he likes kidnapping kids, but yeah. Like, I'd rather watch this, I think, over Midnight Ride for a season opener, but... Oh, yeah. I don't know, man. It wasn't my fave. What do you think the moral of the story overall is? Don't trust ghosts. That's a good one. Yeah. If a ghost tells you something cryptic, ask him to elaborate. <laughs> Please. <laughs> You've got nothing to lose. You're dead already. Yeah. They can elaborate. Unless they don't Ian, talk, but... you want Cutter dead as much as anyone. Just tell me what to do. <laughs> the Tale of Cutter's Treasure, part de. I think we can come up with a better name than that. Yeah. The Tale of Death Trap Dungeon. The Tale of cutter's treasure in quotes just the treasure right cutter's treasure <laughs> yeah treasure <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, the tale of the greatest adventure <laughs> the tale of the dagger murder spree <laughs> he only killed one person cutter still <laughs> what died. could have been could have been blasted motherfuckers all over the place why was Cutter wrapped in vines? Because, like, I'm thinking, like, you know, the tale of the twisted vines or something. But, like, yeah, the mausoleum was, like, in, in rooted from trees or whatever. But why the vines? Was that, like, the souls of the dead coming and getting their revenge or something? I don't get it. Um, It's just another power of the dagger. I guess. I, you know what? I gotta say, though, there was kind of, like, that foreshadowing because... Um, Rush gets wrapped up in the vines in his dream sequence from the first episode, and then Cutter gets wrapped up in the vines in this episode. But it was still stupid. All that intricate plotting for nothing. It's still stupid. Yeah, he just got fart blasted by that dagger, so... Yeah, I think that's all I got for names, honestly. Like I said the last time, I actually like the name Cutter's Treasure. I think it's a, it's fun. Yeah, it's it's a pirate name. It's fun, and it's a great name for a pirate episode. Are you ready to know what we're going to be diving into next week, Brandon? I just hope Vink's not in it. No offense to Vink. Mm, wow. But, let's see. What is it? I don't I don't think he will be. Okay. So next week, we are going to be watching Season 4, Episode, I guess technically 3. But it's called The Tale of the Renegade Virus. Whoa. We are oh. finally getting zombies. Oh, okay. That's what that's what you think the Renegade virus is going to be, zombies? Yes, of course. What else could it be? Mm, nothing. Who do you think is going to tell the tale of the Renegade virus? Oh, Betty Ann. She'd yeah, be the one to that. finally give us a gross zombie story. So you think that this is going to be um, like the coronavirus and it's going to cause zombieism? No, I think it's going to be like the zombie virus and it's going to cause zombieism. Okay. Renegade. Honestly, that sounds like a good episode. I'm excited. Yeah, I can't wait. Well, you have to. We have to wait a whole week. Well, less I mean, that. nothing's stopping me from watching it right now. <laughs> that's true. That's true. But whatever. Hey, you know what? I'm looking at the season list, and I made a mistake. Because I said in last episode that Cutter's Treasure was in 1995, and it was actually from October 29th, 1994. Oh my god. We don't get into 1995 until the last couple episodes of the season. Whoops. I'm sure you'll be getting lots of hate mail. Yeah, right. But, anyway, I'm looking forward to next week. I think it'll be fun. Yeah, me too. Well, Brandon, I got five hours of sleep last night because I went to bed at 1 a.m. You made me wake up at 6 a.m. to do this damn show. So I'm going back to sleep. Good sleep. I've been up all night. Almost literally, kind of. Bye, everybody. Bye. What he wants is not what he desires.
Fuck you, I'm out of here. Bye. The greatest adventure is what I... Skipper!